Crosspoint Church's weekly sermon audio from lead pastor Brad Evangelista. For more information about Crosspoint, visit InsideCrosspoint.com. Amen. Good morning. How are you? If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you're visiting with us for the first time today, you're a guest. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. Usually uh, we work through books of the Bible, and for the past year or so we've been working through the New Testament letter Romans. We're taking a little break over the summer. We're picking back up where we left off the beginning of the summer at the end of Romans 8. So in August we're going to pick back up in Romans chapter 9 and work our way through the rest of that glorious letter. But this morning is a special morning. If you're, if you're not aware and you're visiting with us for the first time, we are sending out a, a new church plant from among Crosspoint, a core team of people with one of the pastors that's been on staff here for many years. We are sending them out to plant and establish a new sister church here in our area. And so this morning, we are going to focus on that effort, and we're going to pray for and commission this new church that is called Midtree Church that will begin meeting together as a church next Sunday. So this is a, a, an exciting, glorious, sad, joyful, wonderful Sunday. And I want us to focus on this text that this older man of God, Paul, writes to a younger man of God. I am not making a parallel between myself as being older and Will as being the younger. But I do think that this text has much to say to us about what it means to do gospel ministry in our time and age. So let me read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and we'll, we'll get right in. Paul writes these words. This is the last letter that Paul would write that we have as Holy Scripture. A short time after he writes this letter, he will be beheaded in Rome. And he writes this to a young pastor who's pastoring in the city of Ephesus, which is a place that Paul planted a church in his early missionary journeys. And he left Timothy there to pastor this church. And now he's writing this second letter to this pastor. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I want you to look again at verse 5 and 
the last three words of verse 5 will form the heart of our message this morning. Verse 5, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. About two months ago, I gathered for a yearly retreat with a small group of pastors that is part of a network that I'm part of, and we gather together yearly for a yearly retreat of encouragement and just fellowship. And one of the older pastors amongst this group of 150 pastors or so from around the United States, a few international pastors, who pastors a church in Queens, New York, was tasked with delivering a word of encouragement to this small network of pastors. And he preached a sermon on these last three words of verse 5 in 2 Timothy 4. And that message that he preached to us that morning gripped my soul in a way that rarely has happened before. I will never forget that message. And so with his message as a kind of inspiration... His application was different than the application that I'm going to make this morning, but I want to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit used him to encourage me, and I want to use that message as a kind of springboard for the message that I want to preach this morning. I want us to look at the last three words of verse 5, fulfill your ministry. I have three points this morning. Point number one is fulfill. Point number two is your. Point number three is ministry. Fulfill your ministry. My plan is to make application to three subjects, three objects. First, being the young pastor that we are sending out from Crosspoint, Will Hawk, who will be the lead pastor of Midtree Church. The second, object of my application will be the core team of people, about 80 folks from Crosspoint that we are sending out along with Will to plant this church, the Midtree Church core team. And then the third object of my application will be the rest of us, Crosspoint Church, those of us that, that are staying behind and continuing gospel ministry here. Point number one, fulfill. Point number two, your. Point number three, ministry. Let me pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, what a, what a wonderful day. Your mercies are new every morning. How good you have been to us. How sure and certain are your promises. How true is your word. How beautiful is the gospel. How glorious is Christ. How good is your grace. How rich is your mercy. How sweet is the fellowship of the saints. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us this morning as a local church, that you would be glorified, that the saints would be equipped, and that any friends that are here with us this morning who do not know Jesus, even as we talk about planting another church, and ministry, would they see the hope of Christ and the only way by which any person can be reconciled to their holy creator God? Would they see the gospel? Would they see Christ 
crucified, risen, and reigning today? And would they put their faith and hope in him and be saved? Would you do this all for the glory of your name? In Jesus' name, amen. Fulfill. This word, I think, is evident. It's clear what it means. But to give you just a little bit of rounding out of what this word fulfill means, means to complete, to thoroughly accomplish, to, to carry out, to fully accomplish one's task, to perform one's complete duty, to finish fully one's task. That's what this word fulfill means. The Apostle Paul had planted this church in Ephesus years before, and now at the end of his ministry is writing this second letter to this young man named Timothy, encouraging him to continue to complete, to finish the task, the calling, the assignment that God has gave him. Ephesus was a very difficult place to begin gospel ministry. If you read in Acts chapter 19, you read about the account of the setting of Ephesus, how it was a, a city that was filled with idol worship at the time. And in fact, there was a, a great economic business that was really predicated on making little idols of various false Greek gods and selling them. And there were, there were coppersmiths and blacksmiths and silversmiths that would basically make little, little bobblehead dolls of various Greek gods and sell them. And when Paul in Acts chapter 19, it's a really incredible account, he preaches the gospel, uh, some of these kind of false prophets come along and try and tag on to Paul's power and they end up getting beaten up by a demon and you know, getting their clothes stripped off them and run out, getting run out of the house naked. And then Paul's preaching of the gospel so turns the city upside down that Many of the, the, the merchants were selling off their little idols that were, they were selling, and it was cutting into the economic trade. It was disrupting the whole city. The gospel was literally turning the city upside, well, I guess actually figuratively, figuratively turning the gospel, turning the city upside down. And it was a difficult city with many people who believed myths and false things. And Paul set Timothy over this church there and is encouraging here in his last letter to fulfill your ministry, to complete it, to remember the centrality of what he was called to do, to Will Hawk, a gifted pastor that has been part of our staff for approximately 10 years. The word to you today is fulfill your ministry. Planting a church will tempt a young pastor to be torn into a thousand different directions. Some of them for a time are necessary directions, but Will, you must remember that your main responsibility is to feed the people of God with the Word of God as you are led by the Spirit of God. You will be tempted to use worldly metrics to measure success. Where is Will? I want to, I want to, there you are, there you are. I want to see you. You will be tempted to use worldly metrics to measure your success. You will go to member or minister meetings and they will ask you how many people you are running. They will want to know the size of your congregation. You will get things in the mail that will be quick schemes on how to make the church grow numerically. 
And I'm not saying that these things are unimportant. Of course, people are important. And it's a godly and righteous thing to want people to come to a new church. But beware, dear brother, of the idols that lurk in every pastor's heart. John Calvin, the great reformer, said that the human heart is like an idol factory. It pumps out idols. And one of the greatest idols of a pastor's heart is to validate himself by the numeric size of his congregation. Resist that idol. Fulfillment does not necessarily mean a large congregation or a small one. You will be tempted to give up. You will. It sounds like a strange thing to say on this exciting, glorious, joyful Sunday. But you will be tempted to do something else. I'm not saying that every church planter necessarily needs to pastor the church that he plants for the rest of his life. But do know this, that you are called to fulfill, to endure, to stick with it, to keep your hands on the plow. There will be dark times. There will be dark days. And they will cry out loudly. But you are called to fulfill your ministry. A book that we spent some time reading in our pastor staff meeting several years ago is a book called The Work of the Pastor by a Scottish pastor in the mid-1900s. His name is William Still. I've read this quote to the church before, and he puts his finger on the essence of pastoral ministry and what it means to fulfill your ministry. He says this, the pastor is called to feed the sheep, even If the sheep do not want to be fed, he is certainly not to become an entertainer of goats. Let goats entertain goats and let them do it out in goat land. You will certainly not turn goats into sheep by pandering to their goatishness. Do we really believe that the word of God by his spirit changes as well as maddens men? If we do, To be evangelists and pastors, feeders of sheep, we must be men of the Word of God. The ministry of the pastor is to preach the Word. Of course, this doesn't mean that we don't love goats. All of us were goats at one time. But it means that the best thing that we can do for goats is make very clear what it means to be one of God's sheep. Paul in our text says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, to preach the word. In the second chapter of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he says to remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The word of God is not bound. And do not minimize the effect of the word of God faithfully delivered week after week. There will be weeks when you will look and people will seem so out of it and so sleepy and so disinterested. And in fact, in the middle of some of your sermons, you will be disinterested too. (laughs) But as you continue to put the word of God before the people of God, 
It works slowly and imperceptibly and certainly for the forming of Christ in all those that he has called to himself. What does it look like for the core team of Midtree Church to fulfill your ministry? It means that you are to give yourself to the work of the church. I hope that you are not merely going to Midtree Church out of convenience or out of mere social relationships. Those two things are not bad, but those cannot be the only reasons why you are part of this core team. You, dear Midtree Church core team member, are on a mission that is bigger than yourself. It's not merely just about starting something new and something exciting. If that is your motivation, it will wear off. No, you are called to be part of the establishment of a new gospel preaching, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, Spirit-led church. And that, dear friends, as I read my Bible, is war. It's war. The gates of hell are set against everything that you are trying to do. And so mere convenience, a shorter drive, social friendships will not cause you to endure. You're on a mission, and that mission is to help establish a gospel-revealing community. In a book called Compelling Community, written by Mark Dever, a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., that you, you know if you've been around here for a while, has been very influential on us in this church, wrote a book along with one of his associate pastors, Jamie Dunlop, Dunlop called The Compelling Community. And in this book, they contrast two types of communities, the gospel-revealing church and the gospel-plus church. What do they mean by that? The gospel-plus church is a type of church that has a bunch of people who are together and would be probably together otherwise, even if they weren't Christians. They gather together because they're maybe from the same neighborhood or they share the same interests or they kind of like each other. And oh yeah, the gospel is, is tacked on to their gathering, the gospel plus church. But a more biblical expression of church is the gospel revealing church. It's a group of people who are gathered together from different stratospheres of society, from different walks, different ethnicities, different neighborhoods, different, different places, and they are together, and there is no earthly human reason why that group of people would be together other than the fact that there is something greater that binds them together, and it is the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ. And that type of community reveals the gospel in a clearer way to an onlooking world than does just merely a gospel plus church. Back in the early 1980s, actually in Southern California, where I'm from and where I just spent last week visiting my parents, uh, there was the, the, the birth of the, the seeker-sensitive movement and this idea of affinity-based evangelism, that if I'm a, a middle-aged, middle-class white guy that, I, that likes sports or whatever, or Mexican food, 
that I can connect with people who are kind of like me. And certainly we all leverage our relationships for affinity-based evangelism. But actually the Bible is full of people from every tribe and tongue and nation who are together not because they're in the same social demographic ethnic group, but because of the gospel. And Midtree Church core team, you are going to plant a church that isn't merely a Harris County church or a Gospel Plus church, but a gospel-revealing community. What does it mean for the body of Crosspoint to fulfill their ministry? Well, there will be a void. And some of you need to step up and fill that void. Growth and planting a new church is a wonderful, joy, joyful opportunity, but it also means that there will be gaps that some of you need to step into. Maybe you've gotten comfortable sitting in a church that, in comparison maybe to the church that you came from, is larger. And it's easy just to kind of dip in and dip out. Can I plead with you, dear brother or sister? You need to roll up your sleeves and engage in the mission. And what does that look like? Well, just a couple simple things. It, it's not necessarily us giving you some task. It's you prioritizing life in the church and relationships in the, in the local church. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how we are called to spur one another on. And I said that every little section here should have like a little mare of the section. that should, You should just take interest in people around you. You should come a little early. You should leave a little late. You should seek to know people. You should seek to, to know well the people that you worship with that are part of your church. If you've been coming here for a long time and you are not yet a member, dear friend, I think you should go to our membership class so that you can be known by the pastors, so that we can pray specifically for you, so that we can hold one another accountable. You, dear friend, that is remaining at Crosspoint, it's time for some of you, many of you, to roll up your sleeves and engage in the mission of the local church. Fulfill your ministry. Point number two, your. Fulfill your ministry. Will, Midtree Church is not your church. Crosspoint is not my church. This is not my pulpit. We are mere stewards of what God has given us. You are a mail carrier. You're not the owner of the estate. You're a shepherd given the task of caring for the master's sheep. Now, this word your, I don't think denotes a kind of ownership, but an acknowledgement in biblical ministry that there is a uniqueness to your responsibility, to the, to the specifics of how God has gifted you and to the place and the people that God has given you to serve. But even in all of that, recognize that our culture often makes an idol out of leadership. And it's not really, we must remember this, that it's not really about me or you or the leader of the church. God has given you a specific set of gifts and has arranged this group of people and this setting. And in his divine providence, he has made you the leader over this group of people. Timothy, likewise, had a, a specific assignment. 
And in Paul's first letter to Timothy, he writes to Timothy in chapter 1 and verse 3, and he says this, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse, verse 3, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, not to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy, God has given you this ministry over a group of people who are devoting themselves to myths and endless genealogies, promoting speculations rather than good stewardship, and they're desiring to be teachers, but they don't even know what they're talking about. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with Midtree Church's core team, praise God. But the point is, is that God has given you a specific ministry, and you are to remain there. Beware of checking out awesome church websites where everybody is cute and you have that beautiful multi-ethnicity and that sharp font and all these ministries that just look awesome and everything just looks ideal. Beware of the conferences where Matt Chandler and John Piper preach messages that you and I could never preach. Matt Chandler and John Piper and R.C. Sproul are not the pastor of Crosspoint in Midtree Church. You are. Beware of the idolatry of lusting after a different church. Guard your heart from comparing yourself to others. It's easy to dream of some other place or to try and make your church look like the one of the pastor with a national ministry that you look up to. But your ministry is to bring the gospel and the full counsel of God's word to bear on your people, the people that God has given you charge over to the souls that God has given you to serve. This is what Peter says to elders and pastors of the church in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Shepherd the flock that is among you, the people that are among you. And there is, just like in marriage, there's a honeymoon stage to the core team time. But y'all know honeymoons wear off, right? Y'all know that? And six months in, 12 months in, 18 months in, you will be challenged with your people and your ministry. That you must shepherd the flock that is among you. The people with all their problems, you with all your problems, the people that frustrate you, the, 
the people that wear you out, the people that you see at Walmart at the end of the aisle and you want to walk the other way because you, you just don't have the energy to have your ear chewed on. But a shepherd, a shepherd stays with those people. He loves those people. He makes room in his schedule for those people. He prays for those people because they're his people. They're your people. Pastoral ministry is not about loving the people that are easy to love. It's about loving the people that are cynical and sarcastic and constant critics that send emails that make you want to pick up your computer and throw it into the Chattahoochee and just go do something else. Shepherd the flock that is among you, those people with all their problems, and you with all your problems, and humble yourself and remain at Ephesus. Midtree Church, what does it look like for you to fulfill your ministry? This will be your church. You are responsible for it. Not Will, not Karen Ann, not just the leadership. Reject and resist with all your might the consumer attitude that we are all prone to. That what can Midtree Church do for me? How will this be cooler or hipper? How will this be more exciting? This is not their church. This is not for you. This is your church for God. God has made you and given you a particular set of gifts and a particular setting and a particular influence of friends. And he has put you in this place for his purposes, not merely for your convenience and ease and comfort. Peter, in his letter, says in 1 Peter 4, Verse 10, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In other words, Midtree core team member, God has given you a gift for his glory to be used in the local church. Dear friend, do not treat church like another optional hobby. And I say that to Crosspoint as well. How does Crosspoint fulfill our ministry in this church plant? Member of Crosspoint, this is your church plant. These are your brothers and sisters. We are responsible for them. It's not just, oh yeah, I remember them that time. No, we're going to continue to pray with them and to remember them and to encourage them and to help equip them as we are able. It is the whole church's responsibility. We are about to send out approximately 80 or so members to plant this church. And we are, as a sister church, responsible for them. In 1 Corinthians 5, there's this really sad case. And you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. There's this sad case of a man who is in an illicit relationship with his father's wife and 
At the end of the chapter, Paul basically tells the church that they need to excommunicate this man because of his unrepentant sin. They need to put him out of the church. Now, of course, that's not in any way applicable to what's happening here today, but the point I bring that chapter up and what's going on in that chapter is, is it underlies, underlines the responsibility that we as regular members of the church have for one another. Paul writes to the whole church about the importance of knowing one another and and being part of a local church. So the point is, is if we're responsible for each other in that way, as we send these brothers out of this local church to establish another local church for glorious purposes, we are no less responsible for them. We, we are called to encourage them, to, to cheer them on in prayer. Don't be satisfied, Crosspoint, with being merely an observer of ministry. Make yourself part of that ministry. You are the church as well. The pronouns are not they, but us. Some of you are maybe called to pray. Some of you may be called to give. Some of you may be just called to be a constant source of encouragement as you stay in touch with your brothers and sisters that are now birthing this new church. Fulfill your ministry. The last word, your. Fulfill your ministry. Well, if there's one if there's one verse that I think about pastoral ministry, I think about Colossians chapter 1. This is what Paul writes at the end of Colossians chapter 1. He says, Him we proclaim. Colossians 1 verse 28. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches a full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul says that the aim of his ministry is to present everyone mature in Christ. And it's a toil. And he prays that their hearts may be encouraged and that they would be knit together in love and that everybody in the, in the reach of his ministry would reach all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, which is the gospel. Friends, that's, that's the aim of Crosspoint Church. That's, that will be the aim of, of Midtree Church. And that's the aim of every one of our gatherings. In fact, if you're here this morning and, and, and you don't know that, you knowing that is far more important than anything else in this moment. That you would know the riches of the grace of God in Christ. Friends, know this, that you were born separated from God. You're hostile to God. You may never have heard that before, but every person is born separated from God. We're we're not born neutral or friendly to God. The Bible is very clear that we are born separated from Him. And that you must be born again. God must give you a new heart 
And with that new heart, then you are enabled. In fact, you must turn from trusting in yourself and you must put your hope in God who alone is able to reconcile you to himself. And the way that he has made for you to be reconciled is through sending his son Jesus, God in the flesh, the perfect man, fully God, fully man, to live a perfect life unlike any of us have ever lived, to die a sacrificial death on the cross, to absorb the wrath of God that should be ours, should be yours, because we are all sinners, rebels against a holy God committing spiritual treason. But Jesus has bore the wrath of God for all those that would turn and trust in him, who would not trust in their own righteousness, who would not coddle their sin, but would put their hope in what Jesus has done in his wrath-absorbing sacrifice and his glorious resurrection over sin, death, and the grave. Friends, you must hope in that. That is what it means to be a Christian. And that's the message of this church, and it's the message of Midtree Church. And I plead with you, if you've, if you've never done that, that, do not delay. Trust in Christ that you too may be mature in Christ someday when he comes again. Will, this is, your, this is your assignment, to proclaim Christ. But we know that pastoral ministry is more than just preaching the word of God. Although some people think that they will tell you that you only work one day a week. And you will be tempted to say some not so nice things in response to that. Pastoral ministry is more than preaching. It's praying. It's loving. It's staying. It's discipleship. It's a thousand hard conversations. It's encouraging. It's rebuking. It's humbling yourself. It's realizing how much in need of grace that you are. It's a thousand other things that you know all about as you have done pastoral ministry here at this church. Listen to what gospel ministry and the shape it should take in the local church. Another quote from our friend William Still, Scottish pastor in the mid-1900s. He says, next to the ministry of the word, the most fruitful pastoral duty is to help all sorts of odd sheep to live together and to show them how to live in the world amongst goats without becoming goats. The testimony of a true Christian church ought to be how Christians love one another, including the odd bods. I don't know exactly what odd bods are, but I think this church and Midtree Church is probably made up of a lot of them. Christ likes odd bods. <laughs> I think that's Scottish for strange folks. I sometimes say that nearly all the fruitful Christian ministers and fruitful laymen I know are odd bods, but they are odd bods with a mission a mission to fit other oddbods along with themselves into fellowship. Him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone to grow into this type of church. Midtree Church, how are you called to fulfill your ministry? Collectively, you are to be a pillar and a buttress of the truth. First Timothy chapter 4 says this about the local church. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, Paul's writing to Timothy in his first letter, and he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, 
which is the church of the living God. Look at this last phrase here at the end of verse 15, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So he describes the church as a pillar and buttress of the church. You, you are merely a pillar. You are merely something that is holding up the thing that is truly worth looking at. So the ministry of the Midtree core team is to be pillars and buttresses of the truth, to be people that come around the ministry, which is proclaiming Christ and living together as a gospel-revealing community so that what people see when they look at Midtree is not you, but the truth, the diamond that you're holding up. You are called to be pillars and buttresses of the church. You're called to bear weight. Are you the type of person that can bear weight? Are you the type of person that will or one of the leaders at Midtree Church can call and you can be depended on to do whatever it takes for the sake of the ministry of the local church? Fulfill your ministry, Midtree core team. And finally, to cross point, what does it look like for us to fulfill our ministry. I say this with, with all, all humility, and I hope this comes across the right way. I, I think we live in a town that has many churches who at various times in the history of the life of those churches in this city have very likely been used in fruitful ways. But we also live in a city that has many churches that are mere buildings. They're devoid of the gospel. We live in a over-churched and under-gospelized city. We, many of the churches in our city do not, and I say this with all humility, do not preach the fullness of Christ and the goodness of the gospel. They preach a kind of moralistic, therapeutic deism and it paves the way to hell. The number one commodity of many of the churches in America, for that matter, and I think in our city, one of the number one commodities, commodities is false assurance. They make people think that they're okay with God merely because they're attending that building. And I think one of the reasons God has raised up Crosspoint, along with other churches in our city that have the gospel, is to be a beacon of gospel light in a religious and unchristian city. And I think one of our missions, one of the purposes that God has raised up Crosspoint is not to grow large so that we would be more comfortable and encouraged and awesome and feel good about ourselves, but to be a kind of sending station, a launching pad for gospel ministry. My hope is, my goal is, that in decades to come, Crosspoint will not be an extra-large church, but that there will be three, four, five, ten, fifteen churches, twenty churches in our city that we have impacted, that we have either planted or revitalized. This requires us, it requires the ministry of Crosspoint to not be about our comfort not be about some cool vibe or some comfortable feeling. But we are 
seeking to be a launching pad for gospel ministry, to be a place where young men are trained for ministry and sent out to either plant or to revitalize churches. There are many empty church buildings in our city, and we would love to send men that are on staff at Crosspoint in the years to come to potentially be candidates for the pastoral positions of those churches, that there's a building there that if somebody doesn't come and revitalize it by preaching the gospel, will be knocked down by some developer and become a gas station. I, I, I think that the ministry of Crosspoint is to be a sending, launching pad for gospel ministry to our neighbors and to the nations, that we would send more people from among us to places like Central Europe and, and, and to the places where the cars and the orliches are, where the, the more people would hear the gospel. And this would require us to not be in love with comfort and convenience. It means that we give. It means that we send. It means that we stretch. It means that we constantly inconvenience ourselves for the sake of the gospel. It means it's a church that's constantly in flux, that needs new leaders, that needs new elders, that needs new people, that isn't just growing and increasing and getting bloated and lazy, but is sending and sending and sending. Because friends, there's coming a day when Jesus will come back and what hangs in the balance is whether or not the people in our city have heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And there's nothing, there's just nothing more worthwhile to give yourself than to that. In conclusion, I'm so thankful for God's kindness to us. I'm so thankful for the gifts that God has given Will Hawk and his wife Karen Ann. I'm so thankful for the members of Crosspoint that are going with Midtree Church. I'm so thankful for those that are staying, that are willing to roll up their sleeves and to give themselves to the continuing gospel ministry in this place. I'm so thankful for the young men that are on this staff, for Robert Ward and Springer Kane and Tyler Kirkpatrick. And I look forward to the day when we'll have more young men in the staff and sending some of those young men out to revitalize or plant churches. I'm so thankful for the, really the stunning generosity of so many people in this church. The point of this message is to not talk to you about specifics, but the stunning generosity, the health, and the, the place of strength with which we are sending this church out is just so encouraging. And I'm thankful for the local church God has designed the local church to be, as he says in Ephesians 3, the manifold wisdom of God. The primary plan of God is the local church. And I'm so thankful that we are at this Sunday, June 24th, 2018, which God had etched in his redemptive plan in eternity past to be the Sunday that we launch this church. Friends, God has been good to us. And as we launch this gospel-preaching, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, spirit-led church, we celebrate, but we recognize that we are entering into another front of war. And they will need our prayers. And so we send them in the spirit of God, for the glory of God, for the sake of the lost. 
I'm going to ask Will and Karen Ann to come on up. And as they come on up, I'd like to ask all of the pastors, elders, and um, I, I didn't tell you guys this, so forgive me, but if you're wives, I'd love for you, any wives of the pastors and elders that are here, I'd love for you to come up on stage as well. Come on up, pastors, elders, and your wives. I'm sorry, ladies, for not giving you more of a heads up. If you don't want to come or if you're holding a child, that's okay. You can, you can fuss at me later for not letting you know. <laughs> and then I can avoid you at Walmart later on. By the way, I, I wasn't talking to about any of you guys. Um, um, but I want, to, I want Will to greet you guys and, and, and say whatever he wants to say to you guys. And then, and then my, my plan is, and we're going we're gonna to then call, after Will speaks, we're going to call all of the Midtree church core team down, those that are here this Sunday, there are others maybe that aren't here that we're going to, you guys just gather down here on the front, and then we're going to stand, we're going to lay hands on the hawks, and we're going to commission and pray for and send this church out. So Will, talk to us, brother. Right. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever felt like a pastor was talking to you in a sermon. Um, you ever felt like that? I've heard people say that when I preach. I, I, I don't know. I, I sort of felt like that today. Um, you know, I wrote, um, I can't tell you how many pages of things I wrote trying to think through what I wanted to say to you guys. And Karen Ann and I went back and forth. And it's like, how do you sum up, you know, in 10 years? I, I love you and I thank you. And I tried to do that for the seniors about a month and a half ago after Tyler played this like really sappy slideshow. And I was just like, it was not good. It was my least manly moment, maybe, in the walls of this church. And so, um, I, I guess my thought is this. Um, maybe there are a couple of things. Number one, I got to save that one for last. I'm going to cry. Okay, that's to you, Brad. I'm going to say that for last. It is really cool uh, to be a part of something that God did in Acts chapter 13 in sending people out. And really before that, 2,000 years later. Uh, it, it is cool for us and for the core team, though they're not standing up here yet, um, to be a part of a work that God began long before uh, we were ever here. And, and it is an incredibly humbling thing. And we, I, I was telling somebody today, I sort of feel like today um, reminds me of when we had our babies. Uh, in, in a sense, I told Brad, you're delivering a baby today in front of a lot of people, so have fun with that. Um, because all of our babies were C-sections, so like I knew the day it was going to be, and you've got all this anticipation and buildup, and for any of you guys who have had C-section babies, there's this little bitty room that you stand in while your wife's getting ready, and there's all this like excitement, yes, and this nervousness, and you're like, I hope there aren't going to be any complications, but I mean, this is sort of a complicated thing, and then as you think about it more, you have all that excitement and anticipation and nervousness, and then it strikes you, for the rest of my life, I've got to take care of this baby, right? Like, I'm thinking about this moment, and I've got to take care of this baby for the rest of my life. Um, and, and Brad, I think your words this morning were, I, I, I will keep this message. It'll, it'll be the first sermon that, that goes up for mid-tree. We, we asked our kids last night, we were, when, when we came to the church, Ellis was in Karen Ann's belly. And so this, you have been their family, um, and so we asked them, if you cry, I can't hand you the microphone. Um, we asked them what, 
you know, what are you thankful for after Bible story last night uh, about Cross Point? And it was really cute. You know, Tigner, she was like, I, I love Jasmine. And she was talking about uh, Jasmine, Blue Shirt, Aguilar, just loving on her, all of the kid keepers and the way that you have taken care of our kids. And then Thad, gracious, my Thad, we've been visiting a lot of churches. Um, and Christians are just weird people. Um, Oddbots. And uh, Thad, God love him. He was like, I like the cross points big. And I was like, okay, bud. Um, I don't know how to work on that theologically right now. But I think what he was saying is, help me if I'm wrong. I, I like, he, we've been to a lot of other smaller churches. Um, and, and he just felt like this was a place that was intentional. I think that's what he was trying to say. Like everything was thought through. Um, and, and here the most thought through thing is cross point wants to, and we'll get, continue to want to be a place that when you walk into this environment, your feet sink deep into gospel soil. And and if you're here long enough, you can't help but grow and produce fruit and spread out. Uh, And and, um, I don't remember what Aim said. Aim said he liked the crosses, so that was good. Uh, And and then Ellis said, you know, and, and he's my mature one. He said, I'm really thankful that Cross Point is sending us with a team. It'd be a whole lot harder if they didn't do that. I was like, yeah, man, that was smart. Yeah, that's really good. And and so all of that stuff together, just know what a blessing my family and every family and every person who's about to come down and you're about to pray for, we are grateful to the nth degree eternally for the home that Cross Point has been for us. Okay, now I can cry because I only got 30 seconds left. Brad, I can't thank you enough. Um, you, you know my past, uh, and, and I wrote you a little something, a gift that I got you, but you've been a spiritual father to a guy who didn't have one, and I do feel like you are very much a Paul to a Timothy, and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with being the young guy right now. That's kind of, um, and, and I, I, I just, I love you for that. I, I love that mid-tree is what it is because you are what you are. And uh, I'll end with this. Um, when I came to Cross Point, I love Jesus and I love my Bible. But God has grown me, us, the team, so much over the past 10 years. And that really is what's tucked into the name Midtree. It, it came about because I, I, I was thinking about Genesis 2, uh, this, this tree that we ate from that brought death. And then in Revelations 2, we see a tree that those who are gods eat from eternally and it yields life. And in the middle of those two trees, God placed a tree, that tree, and he put his son on that mid-tree. And that's what we want to be. We want to be Christ extended. And that's what I learned here was the Bible from left to right. And so thank you. Thank you for that. All right, that's all I got. Somebody seem to pray. Before the before the mid-tree church team comes up, um, we have the pastors and elders up here and their wives. I want Reynold and Danielle. Reynold's serving somewhere. Reynold, come on up. Reynold is taking a sabbatical. And Danielle, come on. <laughs> you can give me the stink eye later, Danielle, and I'll. <laughs> Reynold has rotated off of our elder team uh, because he's been an elder since 
almost the very beginning, and we didn't, our lay elders, we, um, we, we were imposing just for the sake of, you know, not wearing these men out, men that are not employed by the church, but our lay elders were, we're asking them to, after a couple terms, to take a sabbatical. And so Reynolds is taking his sabbatical year, and Lord willing, hopefully we'll be an elder again. But they've been so instrumental in this church, Crosspoint, and, and the Hawks life, and all the discussions leading up. So I wanted you guys to be up here as well. If you're part of the Midtree core team, come on down and just, just line up down here. All of you guys that are here, come on up. And as they come on up, put eyes on them. Know that you are responsible for these. Those of you that are staying, hopefully some of you. <laughs> remember these people and pray for them. For the next few Sundays, they will be meeting. Uh, and then sometime in August, uh, there will be a kind of formal constitution as a, a new church, and they will kind of formalize as membership, and we will then formally, at our next member meeting, remove these folks from our membership and, and joyfully recommend them to Will as members of, of Midtree Church, which they will already be. And then we will have a posture of really being a, a mother-daughter church for a period of time. And then as we continue to meet together, we'll be in fellowship all the time, and then that mother-daughter relationship as this church grows will move to a sister church relationship. But Lord willing, we will always be in deep, deep gospel fellowship and relationship with one another for the glory of God, for the exaltation of Christ, and for the sake of souls amongst our neighbors and the nations. So I, what I want us to do now is I want all of us to stand and we're going to lay hands on the hawks, and we're going to pray for them, and we're going to pray for the Midtree Church core team. And what I'd love for you to do is just to focus on a couple, a face, pray for them, pray for the hawks. And let's send this family and this core team out for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the glory of God. For the sake of souls, friends, do you realize more people will come to faith in Jesus because of Midtree Church than would have otherwise? And friends, that is what it is all about. So let's pray and ask the Lord to go as we send. Father, you have been so good to us. Thirteen years ago, you, you planted this church, and you, you've caused this church to grow. And Lord, you've, you've protected this church from, from me. You've protected this church from our lack of wisdom. You've, you've protected this church from our frailties and our weaknesses and our lack of wisdom. And you've been good to us. And you've, you've, you, by your grace, have brought us to this point where we are ready to send out this dear brother and his wife and this group of people for the establishment of another gospel-preaching church in our city. Lord, we humble ourselves and we thank you and we plead with you, Lord, to go with them, to go before them, to protect them from the enemy, to guard their hearts, to humble them, to 
work in them dependence and a fierce focus on the good news of Jesus and a commitment to all of the Bible and to a love for souls. Lord, go with them. Go before them. Give them your grace. Lord, we know that you're sovereign over all things. You work all things together for the good of those that, who, that love you and are called according to your purpose. And so, Lord, the logistical challenges, the, the relationship hiccups, every little thing that will, that will encompass the life of Midtree Church, Lord, you are sovereign over. May you keep their chins up. May they look and see where their help comes from. Their help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And every little success and every little challenge and every tragedy and every triumph, Lord, is, is according to your sovereign plan to promote and display the sufficiency of Christ. Lord, I pray for Will and Karen Ann. I pray for this dear brother. You've given him so many gifts. Lord, anoint him for this task. As gifted as he is, he is completely inadequate for this task. But you alone are sufficient. So as he clings closely to you in his inadequacy, Lord, would you be his all in all. Lord, I pray for Karen Ann as she comes alongside her husband. Lord, guard her heart. Protect her, Lord, from discouragement. Lord, give her the grace and the wisdom to balance the many hats of pastor's wife and mother and sister in Christ. Lord, Lord, give her the grace to, to carry out those enormous duties and responsibilities and to, to know, Lord, just the, just the posture that would be most God-glorifying as Will's wife and as the mother of her children. Guard the children, Lord. Lord, I pray for these precious kids, for Ellis and Thad and Ames and Tigner, Lord. May growing up in Midtree Church be a joy for them. May they love the church. May they never resent it. Lord, may you, if, they, if any of these children do not yet know you, if they've not been regenerated, I pray that the fertile ground of Midtree Church would be the place where these pastor's kids come to faith in Jesus and are baptized and serve you all their lives. Lord, may the glory of Christ echo forth from this man and this family. And may you anoint this man as he leads this church. For this core team, Lord, you have assembled a gifted and competent group of people. You've given them wisdom. You've given them a particular set of gifts. You've given them a burden. You've given them relationships. And all of these things you have not given to them for themselves, but for the sake of the glory of Christ amongst the people of God. Lord, I pray for harmony. I pray for wisdom. I pray for selflessness. I pray for endurance and patience and a diligence to work hard. Lord, I pray that they would leverage their, their relationships and their spheres of influence for the sake of gospel witness. I pray for logistics, for meeting space, for, for provision, for lost people in that area to hear about this church to come and and to be converted and to trust in Jesus. I pray for meeting space in the future. I pray for future staff. 
I pray for missionaries to be sent from Midtree Church to the ends of the earth. I pray, I pray for churches to be planted out of Midtree, Lord. I pray that this group of people, that Cross Point 2 would decrease so that Christ may increase. Because the world doesn't need people that are in love with themselves and how awesome they are. But the world needs to see Jesus lifted up. I pray that Will and Karen Ann and Midtree Church and Crosspoint Church would fulfill their ministry for the glory of God, for the sake of souls. And now, Lord, we send them out. We commission them to give themselves away for the sake of the gospel and the establishment of a new church. And we pray all these things with great confidence because Jesus is our king and he is our captain and he is the chief shepherd and overseer of our souls. And he has promised us that even though the gates of hell are prevailed against, are arrayed against us, that the church, the bride of Christ, will prevail. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just give the Lord praise. Praise. Come on. Hallelujah.